the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Favre claims not to know what a podcast is. You know, I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? Um, no, you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Brett Edward. I had a, a, a pet snake mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Buy the snake in the house. I get a, a, a text on my two-way. Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me. Steven, how are you? This is David Dunn. Did I see No, you didn't because I'm recording this thing right oh, now, no, dude. No, no. This You're is the, the podcast. Uh, you the Andy best. Reed did not call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Hey, everybody. It's a second edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast this week in between weeks two and three. We are going to be opening up week number three from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The highly anticipated clash between the Eagles and Chiefs, Andy Reid, taking his 2-0 and Chiefs back to the place where he spent 14 years on the sideline uh, until his departure uh, with Chip Kelly now in his place. 1-1 one and one after a surprising defeat at the hands of the San Diego Chargers on his home turf in his home debut. To uh, wrap up week number two, we are uh, pleased to have you with us here uh, downloading this podcast, sort of a special edition. We don't do many of these two-a-week situations during the week with all of our busy schedules. Chris Law, good to see you, sir. Rich, good to see you. Chris Brockman, good to see you. How are you, my man? I'm great. We all know we're big Seinfeld fans on this show. Huge. And we've got uh, a longtime producer coming in. Talk a little bit of football, but mostly Seinfeld with him. Can't wait for that. Uh, Peter Melman is coming in. He was a story editor on the uh, uh, latex salesman uh, <laughs> what edition. Are your, what are your guys' favorite episodes? Well, that was The Boyfriend, parts one and two. That was the Keith Hernandez episode. Yeah, which... You know, which is... That's the beauty of Seinfeld, is that, you know, like the yada yada episode, as Peter is going to talk about, that was also the anti-dentite episode. You right. forget... You forget this... How the, many yeah. well, iconic usually... storylines right. that you would think would just be the show itself. There's two or three, usually. It's incredible. Yeah. Right, so the Keith Hernandez second spitter, the Magic Loogie, and like there the was also the, was and... also the Vandalay Industry latex salesman episode. Oh, right, so I mean, to me, the the, uh, the 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 favorite one was the uh, the contest. Yeah, yeah, that that you know, one where is they, where they all were swearing, where they were master talking of about your domain. Right, the master of your domain. Kramer coming in and literally, I'm out. I'm out. ten seconds and throws his money down. I'm out. Yeah, well, when they made the bet, Jerry was like, "You're not going to make it out of the restaurant." I know. <laughs> So Peter is going to be on, on the show, um, but before that, let's uh, let's. You want to pick some games? I know we were, yeah. On our previous show, we we just picked the games that involved our guests. Right. Uh, the, you should download that show with Ed Reed of the Texans going back to Baltimore. Ray Lewis having his uh, name in the Ring of Honor uh, this weekend with the Texans in town. That's a big game. We picked that one. We picked the Chiefs and Eagles tonight's game. Uh, Law and I chose the Eagles, and um, and Brockman chose Andy Reid's Chiefs, yep. the Texans, and the Ravens. Uh, I chose the Texans along with Law, and you went Ravens, correct, Chris Brockman? I did. And then um, you both went Bills because we had E.J. Manuel of the Bills on that program, and even right. though I thanked him for coming on and telling him never forget who was the one who called him to have him on after his first career win when he was just merely a one-and-one pup quarterback in the National Football League, 
Uh, I chose the Jets. I thought you were going to zig and you zagged on I that did. One. I chose yep. the Jets. I lone wolfed on that one. Um, NFL.com slash pick is how you can get in on this. Uh, it's, a, you know, the party started, but you can always join it. Um, a big game this weekend is the Packers and the Bengals, guys, because the Packers and Bengals are both one and one. Uh, the Bengals lost at Chicago despite leading that game throughout and then won on Monday night against the Steelers. The Packers, as we all know, had a very difficult time in San Francisco before coming home and handling the Redskins with ease. Who do you have in this game, guys? Uh, I'll start. Um the Packers had a 100-yard rusher last week, Rich. Not who Steve Mariucci said it was going to be, but James Starks nonetheless had a fantastic game running the ball. Going to be more difficult against the Bengals' front line, which locked up the Steelers on Monday. But when you have Aaron Rodgers, Rich, it doesn't matter. Okay. I'm going Pack. You're going with the Packers in this game. Who do you have here, Chris Law? This is one of the more difficult games of the week to pick. The, man, the Bengals' defense is solid, and but the Packers... Put up points against a solid Niners defense week one. It's tough to go against Aaron Rodgers in that passing game, and I, I think I, I'm going to stick with the with Aaron Rodgers right now. You're going to go with Aaron Rodgers yeah. and the Packers in that one, and and he did look phenomenal uh, last week. I believe in the Bengals though, but just I believe in the Bengals defense. I think what they are putting together in that stadium and that team is as good a defense as you will see anywhere in the National Football yeah, Zimmer's League. Zimmer's got them playing. They are solid from front to back as anybody. I wanted to see I more still, offensively out of them. I know. Well, Andy Pittsburgh. Dalton just needs to start stepping up and making some throws. Those tight ends created some problems for Pittsburgh, which shut down A.J. Green, much to my uh, fantasy team's lament. And I had Eddie Lacy. Oh, that's... And I had Eddie Lacy and Brandon Merriweather top-roped him. And 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 all those James Starks yards could have been Lacey's. Could have been, I'd be 2-0 in fantasy laughing, running away with that had that happened. But I just think the Bengals are going to be home, and they're going to take care of business against Green Bay. I just think that this defense will allow the yards that Aaron Rodgers is going to put up. But I think that uh, they're going to keep him out of the end zone more often than not. And I'm going to take Cincinnati in this game. Uh, Rams in Dallas. I'll start with this one. Uh, I think the Rams are winning it. Uh, I think the Rams wow. showed some signs of life in the second half in Atlanta that showed that they are going to be very difficult to handle on offense, that they are quicker than you. They are quicker than you. And that quick game is going to keep um, that pass rush that DeMarcus Ware and, and, and that Monty Kiffin is certainly getting rolling. I think that that is going to help neutralize some things. Dallas is going to take an early lead. But I think St. Louis is going to show why that they are going to take a step forward this year. And and Dallas's home field advantage um, does not scare teams as much as it used to. And I'm going to take the St. Louis Rams in this one, and we're going to be talking about Dallas being at 1-2 and two and in somewhat of a um, disarray. That there's going to be a what's wrong with Dallas, how can it be improved with Dallas situation <laughs> that people are going to be talking about up, down, left, and right before, for a whole week. before it heads out to San Diego for week four. So I'm taking the Rams in that one. I hear everything you're saying, Rich, and I completely disagree. I'm going with the Cowboys. I think they are going to learn their lesson, get to Marco Murray the ball more, and maybe it's me just trying to kibosh the Cowboys by picking them <laughs> so they lose for my Eagles, but I'm I, I'm going to take the Cowboys Okay, too. you guys, I'm, boy, I'm lone wolfing on that one. Ow. Couple lone wolves there. Falcons, Dolphins. Who do you have in this one? Wow, this is a good one. Mike Wallace really showed up uh, in week two, didn't he? He Mark did. Miller looked better. Found the end zone. That uh, Clay guy for them looked 
had 10 receptions for over 100 yards. I'm taking the Dolphins. Wow. I'm going to take them because Atlanta's a different team away from that dome. Uh, no Steven Jackson. I don't know who they're going to have running the football. I know uh, Jack Quiz Rogers is a, a, a running back of note. I don't believe he's the bell count. I do, I do love the match roll. Uh, it's my fantasy quarterback. But the that keeper. defense, man. Cameron yeah. Wake Cameron? is defensive player of the year. Worthy. worthy. Uh, Brent Grimes has got a little yep. bit of an axe to Grimes, if you will. He picked off luck in the end zone. You know what worried me about the Falcons was how uh, they had that game blown out, St. Louis, and they let him back in it. I think I'm going to go with Miami. I'm with you on this one. Law, who do you have? Uh, I'm going to actually take the Dolphins as well. Okay. Which is Be careful. Thomas Dimitrov usually listens to this podcast, by the way. I know. And he's usually working out. He may have just fallen off his treadmill. TD, I love you. We're going to see you soon. Love you, buddy. Congrats on his new kid, by the way. Absolutely. And um, although I just feel he's going to feel some one and two pain and still win that division. Yes. Potentially. Um, and then. Uh, you, just, you just NFL insider. I just NFL. Potentially. I know. I did. I did. <laughs> like, likely. I know. Likely. Right. Uh, who do you have um, in Chargers Titans? Chargers Titans. I mean, look. Man, two really good teams right now. I'm I'm believing in what the the Chargers are doing, and they've really done it without a running game. I think I'm going to take take the Chargers in this one, although it's tough. Back to back weeks on the East Coast, I didn't really factor that in. Yep. Man, Tennis, uh, Tennessee had that game. Tennessee did have I, that game. I, I like what they're doing, getting Chris Johnson his touches. This is a coin toss. Right now I'm taking the Chargers. I might be changing that as we move on in the week. I think I'm going to go with the, the flaming thumbtacks. Flaming thumbtacks is Worm. Our good friend Jason Worms would call him. I'm taking him, too. As I told you, as I mentioned to uh, the to the group here uh, on the podcast earlier this week, that uh, the, the Titans and the Dolphins are my two sleeper teams, and I'm gonna I'm putting my, egg, my eggs in that week three basket here. I'm taking the Titans in this one. Peter Melman's walking through the door. Let's get to him. He's a, a, a new friend of the program. We've had Larry David on this show, as, as we all know, a few times. We've had Jeff Schaefer on this program many a time, Alec Berg and um, – Mandel. And, and yeah, and uh, David Mandel is writing partner as well. And we're pleased to add another to the, I guess, large circle of friends from uh, from that part of the pop culture landscape. Uh, a longtime producer of Seinfeld and his book Odd Things and Essays from the Seinfeld Writer who coined yada yada and made uh, Spongeworthy a compliment. The book Mandela was late is available on Amazon.com. Peter Melman, good to see you. How are you, sir? I am really well. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. And uh, you were just saying as you were walking in, uh, you can't drive without chewing gum at the same time because people have problems, you know, walking and chewing gum sometimes. But you, you, you need that to drive? Is what you're saying? I have trouble eating and chewing gum at the same time. It's really weird. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I can't drive without gum. I don't know what it is. It got to be kind of like this thing. If I'm not chewing gum, I'm like edgy behind the wheel. So that's what you have in your car it's just a, a i have like i always have like five packs of various trident gums you have uh sp- like what 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 various flavors do you have here what do you got well the funny thing is i can't play basketball without chewing gum either and i always <laughs> use the bubble gum for basketball bubble gum flavor and trident is actually really good it makes your whole car smell like bubble gum no kidding and that's how you your how many points per game does that add to your to your game the trident. It think? adds about three rebounds, and at this point in my life, it <laughs> adds about, you know, like I, I can't finish anymore. 
I could still get to the hole, but I can't finish. It's it's unbelievable. Ugh. Well, it'll help I, you I, play defense because that's kind of what plagues me when when, when Chris Law <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I play. No, I'm okay with defense. I'm fine. I'm always fine with defense because I can't stand when anyone scores on me. But I can't finish. It's it like that line from uh, from Hoosiers, right? Like I I want somebody guarding Peter Melman so close that they got to tell me what, what flavor, flavor of gum he's chewing. So come, somebody comes back to the the bench and says, "Try that bubble gum, Try that bubble coach." I mean, it's so funny, you know, when you think about it. There are so many N- NBA players who chew gum during the game. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jordan, obviously. But then you watch a baseball game. You just can't believe that these are these are professional athletes, and they have a wad of tobacco <laughs> in their mouth. It's unbelievable <laughs> to me that it's an, it's a sport. And they're chewing tobacco. I mean, no wonder. Like, a guy hits a double and he gets into second base. They look exhausted. (laughs) Kobe Bryant's been running up the court for 48 minutes playing like a maniac. And he looks like he just, you know, just started. These guys... They look exhausted all the time. My problem is if I did that, I'd, I'd probably swallow it running to second. <laughs> right, or maybe, sliding head yeah. first. Right, and that's, how, right. that's why I'd be sick, because I just took a chaw and, and, and swallowed it. Did I, t- I think I, told, this, style? I, I yeah. told that story on the podcast, right? The one time I tried chewing tobacco. I never no, told that story. I don't think no, you've ever told no. The one time, because I'm in a fraternity at Michigan, Pi Kappa Phi, everybody. And um, so everybody's, everybody is doing dip. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm this Jewish boy from New York. I've never ever been exposed to this whatsoever. So somebody, I think it was a tin of uh, Kodiak, hands it to me. <laughs> all right, and they, you know, you have, you have to pack it. Right. right, you have to slap it with your finger, and you hold it in one hand. And I I was amazed how somebody's forefinger could move that way and and tap a <laughs> and tap a tin while also moving in your in the palm of your hand so they hand it to me and i'm like okay here i go and i'm thinking to myself my mother would be plotting to use the phrase right if she knew what i was doing if right not now. worse <laughs> but worse right so i tap- what, what does plotting mean shit oh, okay <laughs> okay so basically i would i would tap that i t- took it tap the tin which exploded up in the air, <laughs> and it flies everywhere, sort of like the cocaine scene from Annie Hall, right? right? Okay, where it's just, he sneezes and it goes everywhere. It flies everywhere, and some dip wound up in my eyelid. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Instead of inside the bottom part of my gum, it wound up in my eyelid and started burning like crazy, and the problem was I couldn't get anyone to help me because everyone was howling with laughter, rolling on the ground. And I'm like, no, I'm burning. And it's terrible. Abs- I needed eye wash. It, was, I, I the, ne- it never happened. The so, magic dip, not the magic loogie. That's but right, the magic, the magic dip. dip. <laughs> what made you join that fraternity? <laughs> you know what? That's a good, <laughs> it's a good question. It's a very good question. I'm sure Michigan has a nice little A.E. Pie house or something. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you. Schefter was, Adam Schefter uh-huh. was, in the, uh, was in the Jewish fraternities at Michigan. And I just don't know. A lot of those guys just didn't, they, they were really arrogant, including Schefter, by the way. Schefter. Not going to say I don't believe that. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. So, uh, Peter Melman, let's let's talk about um, the National Football League right now. I mentioned earlier, you, you sent me an email that you're uh, um, a fan of the Giants and the Patriots. Is that a true story? Well, I've always been a Giant fan, but for, I really like Bill Belichick so much that I kind of like New England, too. You like Bill Belichick? Yeah. Those are words that you don't hear too often. From What, what do you like about Bill Belichick? I shouldn't say this to you, but you should go ahead. But 
I love all coaches that completely diss the press. <laughs> I love how he just completely just stonewalls and says whatever he wants. And and another thing I really liked about him is that uh, that's why, you know, Bill Parcells. I mean, God, it was great. Well, I mean, Bar- Parcells was watching him as the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Because when we first came on the air 10 years ago, he was the coach of the Cowboys just starting. And after, uh, um, you know, a couple of years off, and we all missed his press conferences, it was very similar to the Dr. Melfi scenes on The Sopranos because yeah. of how deep into his own psyche he would just reveal things to the press while also staring them down and barking at them and just alternately going from waxing rhapsodic and intellectual and self-reflexive and then psychotic in a way with the media well you know you see in the last 10 years especially with you know endless sports center and you know and nfl and you know all these different networks you see all the press conferences and you can't believe the questions that they ask that uh, this happened to me the first time i covered a lefty drizelle press conference when i was at maryland (laughs) i just could not believe the incredible stupidity of the questions that these professionals were asking. I mean, you watch these press conferences. And first of all, they never <clears throat> ask a question they don't already know the answer to. Okay. And they're not lawyers. I mean, they say, th- and they, and it's, they say things like, um, that 90-yard Hail Mary that won the game at the end. How important was that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, first of all, that's the big question also. It's always, how important was that play? As compared to what? The Libya situation? <laughs> uh, on a scale of 1 to 10? Right, right. So, I, you know, I see the... So, going back to Belichick, I love a guy like Belichick because he won't put up with it. And he just... If you're going to be stupid, he's going to treat you like you're stupid. Right. If you ask a yes or no question, you're going to get a yes or no answer. And by the way... Their offense is just so much more beautiful than everybody else's. You know, when it's clicking, everything just... Well, not this past week, right? right. I mean... Yeah, but, you know, over the, pa- over the last, you know, six, seven years, just, it's so, it's such a pretty game the way they play it. And he's just, and Brady is so great. Brady is great. There's I mean, no doubt about it. Although I, this past week, he was, you know, he was really angry with his receivers. And that was a large topic of conversation, not only in our post game but all week long, is that he said he needed to do a better job on his body language. Well, Michael Irvin's the one that kind of he started that to yeah, the forefront within ten too. minutes after the game. Yeah, but he needed to do better with his body language. You know, what did Michael Irvin say? Well, Michael Irvin said it right afterwards, saying that 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 wasn't right of Tom Brady to do that. You know, that it, it, if he was one of the rookie receivers, he would go right back and say it to his face. I'm like, we're easy for you to say. You know, you're right. a Hall yeah. of Famer, but that that that's not right for Tom Brady, who at the very same moment was up on the podium saying the same thing. You know, so. And it's fun too. funny, too, that Shanahan, in your regard about asking questions, he, this past week, uh, with a, a member of the media in Washington, he was asked the question of whether they should put Kirk Cousins <laughs> into the game. Oh, ludicrous. If they should just basically bench RG3, who clearly is not himself, as we talked about earlier in the show. And put in Kirk Cousins. But the way that he phrased the question, Peter, was people in town are saying right. <laughs> that you should put in Kirk Cousins. How do you respond to that? 
And Shanahan essentially said to the reporter, well, why don't you own it? Do you feel that way? Like, why were you? Why would you say other people? Like, he totally undressed the way that the reporter was asking the question. Yeah. I would yeah. actually like to see Obama do that because he gets that kind of question, too. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, well, you know, in, in all honesty, and I like the guy. But it was nice that the reporter did no. say, do you think... Yeah, like, well, he, he, well, he shamed the reporter into asking the direct right, question right. as opposed to couching it with what other people are saying. And I like the guy, but that is the Jim Gray style of of like, of like of asking... Except for when Pete Dick Rose questions, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, th- I, except when Pete Rose is there, except right? Pete Rose. But it's like others are saying, you know, I'm hearing this is what people are saying. Not me. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying this is what other people are saying. That's right. You know, but that's just you know, and Shanahan totally undressed the guy in that regard this week. So you you were a um, a reporter for the Maryland Terrapin newspaper back in the day. Is that how you got started? Um, I I was a reporter on the Diamondback, the uh, finest student newspaper in the land. Three yeah. out of four years that I was there, I might add. Right. And um, I only wrote sports, like, after a few years. I only did sidebars on, and only on basketball, because, you know, I, college football to me, I, I'm not, I have no interest in that. Not even Boomer Esiason could get you into college football? He's a very cool guy, but no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, uh, John Lucas got me in. Is that, uh, John Lucas got you into college basketball? Is that what well, I, yeah, I, that's the only reason I covered the team at all is because I wanted to, you know, meet John Lucas. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was great because there had been an article. This was his senior year. There was an article in Sports Illustrated about him, and he had said that he can't, you know, wait to be in the NBA so he could play with, like, Walt Frazier, mm-hmm. which I took as a completely offensive so I, the first question I asked him in the locker room after a game is, I said, I said, I introduced myself. I said, John, I got to say, if you think you could even walk on the same court as Walt Frazier, you must be out of your mind. <laughs> what did he respond? <laughs> he just cracked up. He goes, I'll show Clyde where, what's what. And we became like great friends. See, the way you would not have become good friends with him if you would have said, People are saying yeah. <laughs> that you would be totally crazy to walk to even or, consider yourself on or the Or how important was that game winning jump shot? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how you got into meeting John Lucas and what happened. <coughs> so yes. so when did you start writing comedy? When did that start for you? When did that happen? Um Seinfeld. Did you meet First Larry time ever? At Maryland? Basically. No, Larry was there ten years ahead of me. Got it. Larry's uh Significantly older than me. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you started on Seinfeld, that was your first comedy writing gig, basically. Wow! I had gotten one other tiny gig on um, Wings. Okay. Ah, good. And um, I mixed up the two lead characters in my script. I was on a six-week contract, <laughs> and and I after four weeks, I had written the script, and I uh, realized that. I had all the characteristics of the f- of the main two characters completely reversed, <laughs> and um, you know, so needless to say, the guys at Wings didn't pick me up. <laughs> so then, how did you get hooked up with Seinfeld? Then I I had met Larry in New York one or two times before I moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. And then I bumped into him out here, and he goes, you know, I'm doing this little TV show with Jerry Seinfeld, uh, you know. 
uh, maybe you could write a script. And you know, I, I he knew that I was a writer, but I don't think he knew that I didn't had never really written dialogue. Is that right? And I gave him a writing sample. He wanted a writing sample that he could pass on to Jerry. And um, I gave him a a column that I'd written in the New York Times. And um, it it was called Star Trekking, and it's it's actually featured in my uh, book. Mandela was late. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's just so wrong. That was so wrong. Um, right. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a weird, it's a, it's a funny piece, but it's also kind of bittersweet. It's, it's, which is kind of weird because, you know, Seinfeld never had a bittersweet moment. Ever. Ever. Right. But, um, I don't know, Jerry just really liked the piece, so I got a shot at writing a script, and I put in, like, one clutch performance, and the next thing you know, I was, like, loaded. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what was the first script that you did? The Apartment. Where uh, Jerry kind of absently um, tells Elaine that there's an apartment that opened up in his building, and mm -hmm. suddenly he's like invited his ex girlfriend to live in the same building as him, and he realizes that uh, <laughs> yes. you know from now on, whenever he has sex with a you know he goes on a date, you know all his sex is going to have to be on the road. <laughs> you know he's he's complete he can't, because he'd have to sneak around. He completely loses the home bed advantage. Did that ever happen to you? Is that where you, were you using that as a no? Okay, no, no. Um, I actually made it up, <laughs> you know, because I know I know this is you know you're supposed to write what you know, right? Which I never quite grasped the concept of because you know, especially in fiction, it seems like making things up should be part of it. I don't know. It's another one. Of my, I I I have I have endless pet peeves that will be tripping over. Well, that's and um, th but that's the whole. But that's the concept of Seinfeld and Curb. Yes, that that tapped into, I guess, what people, how people react, and and are all like we all have pet peeves, and there was really no show that w would tap into that and make an entire show out of it, quite like Seinfeld. Yeah, and now obviously Curb, you know, with with uh, chat and cuts. And things of that nature oh, yeah. that you never really hear about until you see it on television. You go, yeah, that pisses me off when that happens right, to right, me. Right, right, yeah. So, what other pet peeves? I mean, do we need to do we need to hit on them? Or? Oh, they're endless. You know, as long as we're dealing with sports here, because please. I believe this is a sports show. Yes. Well, it's also here's another yeah, sure. here's another huge pet peeve of mine. Okay, go for it. This this whole cr insane emphasis on winning. It's like, you know, it's like. The first time I remember the first time A Rod test, you know, when it came out that he tested positive, and they're going, "Well, how does he restore his image?" Well, he's just got to win. He's mm -hmm. just got to win. Everything's winning, you know. It's so crazily overemphasized. I think the most amazing example of it is when Lolo Jones in the last Olympics mm -hmm. missed the bronze medal by like a millisecond. People were describing her as the Anna Kornikova of track because she was you know she you know so your pet peeve is when people are always categorized yeah. as never having won the big one yeah so dan uh, marino jim kelly yeah those whose types career of would you rather have uh dan marino's or jay fiedler's or uh yeah or he's a friend you, of the show but trent dilfer you know trent dilfer yeah. right whose career would you rather have charles barkley or robert ory 
I'll take Charles Barkley. But, you know, the thing about Lolo Jones and, you know, Anna Kornikova is held up basically as the, you know, the epitome of a loser. Right, right, right. She, Anna Kornikova was number eight in the world at one time. I'd like to be number eight in my zip code <laughs> in tennis. <laughs> and, okay, she never won a tournament. But in what version of America does somebody who's number eight in the world and makes about a jillion dollars and is incredibly beautiful, in, in what America is that a loser? Lolo Jones makes the Olympic team twice mm-hmm. as a sprinter. You know, a girl who basically was so destitute growing up that she like lived in a YMCA or something like that. Sure, All right. Doesn't get the medal, loser. I mean, it is so hard. That's what and sports so- is, though, in, a, in, in, a, in ways. Peter, is that we 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 do track wins and losses. That's it. It's that that is by the the measurement it's, by which sports lives and breathes in that regard i i I just i I just don't see it i just i really don't so who would you say who's the best player in the nfl who's the best you don't if you don't measure it by by the number of rings wins and losses who would you say is the 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 one guy you'd you'd take i mean the first person you'd think of is brady because of his rings or would you take peyton manning over Brady's career? No, I'd take Brady's. Okay. Because I, I just like Brady. I, right. And, 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 you know, this is another thing. I like beauty. <laughs> I like aesthetic beauty. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron James, I'll tell you right now, I think he's the best basketball player I've ever seen. Okay. On a purely results level. And, right. you know, and, but wouldn't you rather watch Kobe Bryant any day just for how aesthetically beautiful his game is? Every shot Kobe Bryant's ever made in his life is a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just breathtaking. Right. So, his jump shot's so beautiful. Every, he's so fluid. But with Brady, you're referring to his GQ no, looks and his supermodel no, I just, wife? Or? No, I just like the way he throws the ball, the way he fades back. You know, sort of like Joe Namath was also, like, really just cool to watch. You know, yeah. just, it, it just had style. Ken Griffey swing. Ken just. Griffey swing, exactly. Interesting. You know, I love Derek Jeter, but I don't think he's aesthetically like a great guy to watch hit. Mm-hmm. But Robbie Cano, you know, I'm with you. Oh man, I'm with you on that. See, you and your old English B over in your head. You're well, you know, like Ted, Ted Williams. Look, I mean, you know, I love Dustin Pedroia too. There's right. a guy I love because he's he's two foot eight and he swings from the heels on every pitch. Every pitch. Do the Red Sox guy. have a razor though. Do they have a razor? Do this they have a razor look, blade anywhere? This is anywhere? the new cowboy up, Rich. Get oh, used to it. Because we're riding this, this all the way to the World Series, man. Come on. You man. are. They're going to win it. Look Absolutely. Like, yeah, they, I agree. The Red Sox like a, are going to win it. I don't know. They look like a bunch of cough bro- drop brothers. It's I great. Mean, Come on. This is the funnest Red Sox team since 2007. Oh, did you just say funnest on this funnest. podcast? Funnest. It's, it's the a, funnest. That's a, that's a Rex Ryan word, by the way, is funnest. Oh, and the, and as if there's something wrong with cough drops. They're great. In fact... In fact, cough syrup is even better. Is that so? You would go syrup. It, where do you put lozenge? Where do you put lozenge on the list? The lozenges, they're too big. I don't like the whole. But, but cough syrup. Mm-hmm. I think I had that on Seinfeld. I, that you know where George says to somebody, you know, I've never had a cough syrup I didn't love. <laughs> you know, like pertussin and our pertussin and club soda, unbelievable. I was a big Dimatap guy as a kid. Uh oh, we're getting into a very strange yeah, area. Yeah, no, we. I know. <laughs> 
Next thing you know, Jamarcus Russell gets mentioned, and we're in trouble. <laughs> you know Jamarcus I mean? Russell. Yeah, he yeah. had a little, he had a little, he had a little scissor <laughs> situation <laughs> down in Alabama. Words I've never said in uh, my life. A scissor situation. A scissor situation. That's a yeah. good fantasy team name. That, or, or, it's a, or it's a good. That sounds like a good Seinfeld um, sort of plot. The scissor situation, in that regard. Yeah. So you had There's the, no story to it, but I like, no. I, like the, I like the title. So when I'm looking at all this, when I'm watching on TV and I see the credits go along, okay, and I see program consultant, story editor written by, what does that mean? Nothing. Zero? It's, it's basically a, um, it means, here's the two things it means. It's basically a salary structure. Okay. You know, and you get. You know, you're going to get paid a certain level. My function on the show is not really any different. It was just to, you know, come up with ideas and turn out scripts. Right. Um, so, but the ones that you actually sat down and banged out cop the what they are saying and banged out the actual script, that's written by, correct? Yes. Okay. But if you're the story editor, that means that you were just spitballing with... No, if you're the story editor, you're basically doing... I was basically doing the same thing I'd be doing as a co-executive producer, which is turning out scripts, and every week also, you know, throw in your two cents, your comments on whatever script that is is being um, Mm. shot that week. Uh, The only other thing that story editor means is that as a story editor, you don't get an Emmy if your show wins, <laughs> which is what happened to me. You know, I was a story editor when the the, what, the year the show won. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was nominated every single year, except we lost to Frasier every single year. Is that right? And then, yeah, and then my fin- I left before the final season. And, um, you know, I in my final season on the show i wrote yada yada that got nominated and you know, the show was nominated and um i mentioned y- the bisque <laughs> <laughs> got the best part <laughs> so that so, the, so that year fraser wins for best show right and the yada yada is beaten out by the pep- puppy episode of ellen when she comes out of the closet Ah. So I lose both of those, and basically I wow. lose. I lose to Ellen for coming out of the closet, and I lose to Frasier, which is a show where basically no one ever came out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know that's what I decided. It might be time to move on. Oh my God! So where did Yada Yada come from? Where? Did, what's the genesis of that, Peter? You know, it's amazing. I had a. Uh, I'm in like 10 years earlier, I had had a lunch with an editor in New York at the time I was freelance magazine writing and um, I had this lunch with this woman and she said yada yada a couple of times. And I said, God, I never heard of anything like that. That's just an odd expression. And that was it. And then 10 years later, it kind of like flipped back into my head and had that thought of yada yada, you know, like you could basically gloss over just about anything <laughs> with that. <laughs> so that... So that was the genesis of the yada yada part, and then you know, my uh, my best friend is um, a guy named Bill Masters, and um, he uh, converted to Judaism this. long before I even met him. And uh, you know, we became best friends. And you know, one day we're driving along, and he makes some little Jewish joke, and I had this thought about like, God, I. 
you know, I always thought of him as Jewish because he'd been so my whole life, as long as I'd known him. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking, God, I wonder how long it took him to feel comfortable making a Jewish joke. <laughs> and then I, was thi- then I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if he did it, started doing it like the day after? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how, it, uh, you know, that's how the whole, um, you know, the Dr. Watley story. Uh, played by Brian Cranston, who's winning yeah. Best Actor Awards nonstop and whose who's phone call scene in the most recent edition of Breaking Bad should right, win him an Emmy on the spot. Right, right. I just, that's it. Okay, I just, okay, I just okay. that, that's all I'm leaving it from. You know, I would I, never, I'd never give spoilers away on the show. But I saw, I saw, by the way, I saw Brian at a Dodger game mm-hmm. last year and I said, you know, congratulations on all this Breaking Bad, on the Breaking Bad and everything, but what the hell happened to you? You lost your comedy chops. I mean, you're not funny on that show at all. <laughs> He's <laughs> just giving him all his grief about how he's not funny anymore. <laughs> and how do you say he's a funny guy? He's, you take it. Oh, he's great. He's, he's the best. He's just the great, he's just the the most decent great guy. He's awesome. It's, we've had him on this show, and he couldn't have been nicer to everybody and everything. But he was Doctor Watley, and that's my one of my favorite lines of all time in Seinfeld. No doubt was when he's in confession, sitting on yeah. the, on the kneeling bar, yeah. and and says to the you know to the priest. Of what this whole story is, and that offends you as a Jewish person. He goes, "No, that offends me as a comedian." I oh know. my lord, Peter! I pretty much live for a joke like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and because and, that's lost in the the yada yada is was the was the that whole bit about how he converted, and he's the anti dentite. Just to right? get, where yeah. did you come up with anti? Have you heard that before? No, you that just, that I just made, that I just made up. Anti dentite. See, I thought the anti dentite was the thing that might catch on. Because, I w- you know, I had all these expressions that Rabbit somehow anti-anti. were seeming to We still use it. I mean, that's in the lexicon oh, yeah. of our Next vocabulary thing you're going to say is they should have their own schools. <laughs> <laughs> the double dip? Yeah, the double dip. Was that that episode, too? No, no, no. That no. was early. But, you know, but I had all those chip. earlier. That was way earlier. Yeah, yeah, that was way earlier. And, you know, in Spongeworthy and Shrinkage, you know. <laughs> the Shrinkage. And so, like, you know. Shrinkage. That, was you, that was you, too, huh? Yeah. It's common knowledge. Well, the, the, the idea of... Go, of George going in the pool and being seen naked after by the girl mm-hmm. was Larry's idea. I was actually you know struggling mightily with that, that script and and you know Larry said, "How about if that happens and uh I'm thinking about it. I said, "Oh, you mean like there would be like shrinkage <laughs> and Larry, this is his brilliance. Larry goes, "Yeah, shrinkage, and use that word, use it a lot." <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, he's, he, you know, nobody's more self-confident than what he thinks is funny. <laughs> than Larry? Than Larry, you know. Shrink, I mean, then he wasn't wrong, right? No, no, he was a, he rarely was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is something that Larry missed on, do you think? No. I don't know. I well, what about, what no, a, just, you know, I, I mean, curious. look, you're, you know, you're turning out so many shows, you know, I mean, if you, if you have a 22-week you know, twenty-two se- show ep- season. You know, if you have like seven really good episodes, you got to feel like pretty good. Yeah. And then just you know, as opposed to so the twenty-two that you guys would churn out. No I mean, it, it truly is just remarkable how they also hold up now. I mean, I watch them every night. I mean, I have a choice at ten o'clock at night before I pass out. Right. At, with my three young kids and my wife and three young kids, we have every possible choice at Can't ten you? o'clock at night. Can't you get some help? Nanny? You know what? You can't know, you get, like, th- know can't you get like three or four nannies <laughs> yeah. by now? I mean, yeah. Well, we field a, uh, a, a softball team. We have a nanny that, that, that does short center field, you know, <laughs> in mm-hmm. turn, cause we, 
Bottom line, though, we have a, a choice. Is we choose Seinfeld. We choose it every time. And at some of these episodes, Peter, are, we're talking, there's a tw- 20 years old. When I was a kid, you know, a 20-year-old episode was something in black and white. Yeah. And it just blows me away now at how still culturally relevant a lot of these shows are. And then there's a Twitter account that basically has... Seinfeld quotes. Yes, yeah. Well, updated, like if Seinfeld was today. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. a, a, uh, a lot of these episodes, like the Chinese restaurant episode, could be fixed with one cell phone call. Right? And, and I how- think that's the one thing I think about a lot about, you know, like... Well, how much the show would have been different Seinfeld just 4? because of cell phones and and you know and you know googling and things like that, right? Like the the episode of of uh, where 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 Kramer is giving out the uh, movie times to people, <laughs> right. oh, movie phone because his, his his number was one digit away from from the movie phone. Uh, what was it five 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 Filk? And it was, yeah. it was like film or something. I don't remember really liking that episode. But oh, you didn't? Why, why wouldn't you like that episode? I don't you know. Didn't? I just don't remember. You know, I, you know, I, I always liked episodes that had really tiny little slice of life plot lines. I didn't like things that were like broad, a little bit broad. Yeah, I didn't like broad. I don't like broad. You know, I mean, you know, a Puerto Rican Day Parade. I mean, give me a break. That was very well. I mean, that was. You know, that was, I, that was, or or you know, Kramer walking down the street and Joseph in the amazing that, color dream kind of, you know, what, that's too what, broad for what, you. What, what, what happened? Here? So, which is your favorite oh. episode that you've turned that that you would point to? I'm asking you that question now. I'm not asking what pe- other people are saying. I'm I'm asking you point blank. What, uh, and the history of the show, yes, sir, or that you were part of. Let's put it that way. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the, the, I asked this of Larry, and he said it was like choosing between his children. He said right. he couldn't do it. Uh, or wouldn't do there's it. different criteria i mean you know larry wrote this episode called the deal when elaine and jerry try to you know have <laughs> have sex and remain friends right. at the same time and i think the first um scene of that their negotiation of that is like the peak of television of all time like the most perfectly written and great scene ever the scene where they're like, we could do yeah. this. Yeah. Spending and the night. And, and, and you know, oh, yeah, with the hand movement. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now good. we're getting somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, there, there's just like different kind of things that you, that I'm really proud of just to have been there for, you know, like not that there's anything wrong with it. Right. I love slamming, you know, our own liberalism. You know, I mean, on the show, everybody, we were all, you know, ultra liberal lefties right. but you know that's great you know it slams our own liberalism you know just that you know because Jerry and George are going oh, they think we're gay not that there's anything wrong with it <laughs> I mean you know when there's you know when there's obviously you look at their faces and they're thinking there's something terribly <laughs> wrong with it you know that's just great and Larry had another storyline that I loved where um where you know they would it was basically they wouldn't order for J- Elaine wouldn't order from Domino's because you know they're anti-abortion mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you know so Jerry goes well what about your boyfriend you know how do you know he's pro-choice and she's like well I mean he's so handsome he has to be <laughs> 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 you know I just you know anything and you know and in, then they have that scene of- in the truck where and then he's like yeah. one day they're gonna get rid of that awful law yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and also I, I loved, um, right. in the sponge episode, I loved that, you know, Kramer wouldn't wear the AIDS ribbon. 
Right. You don't wear the ribbon? Who? Who wants to wear the ribbon? <laughs> I'm wearing the ribbon. He's wearing the ribbon. Why don't you wear the ribbon? I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, I, that's the kind of stuff that made, made me more proud than anything, just to like, you know, because the show, you know, occupied a space on the cultural landscape of the country. That's what was so but great But it still does it. is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. It, and still it still does, does like a quarter century later, Peter. I mean, the, the amazing thing is a show like Friends could be about as popular as it was for so long. And if you take out Jennifer Aniston's hair, there's nothing. You know, <laughs> on the cultural landscape, there's nothing, right? Sure. I hear you. This is just six people who live on their own planet. And once in a while, they let a few people into their planet in order to date them. Mm-hmm. But that's it. And, you know, so I, I just don't understand how you could be, uh, you know, on the air that long and not deal with the world at all. It's amazing. Well, me. and in Negrard, you guys definitely did all, all of that. Um, when when Dave Mandel was on, I asked him what what... What aspects of his real life did he throw in there? And the Man Hands episode is what he said that he, he's he was dating a girl who broke up with him, and she had Man Hands, and so he is sort of a spiteful thing. Wrote the episode as a therapeutic aspect to it, and also sort of a shot to her through the television set as a hello, and wound up marrying that person. Yes. And I love that story. Is there anything in that regard? I know you'd already said earlier that you know you're supposed to write what you know, and yeah, I know. you've been making a lot. It's, you didn't do that in any of your Seinfeld episodes. Oh no, I mean, you know, I had a friend who's. Um, I guess you mentioned that with the with the uh, the anti dentite, but is there anything yeah. else like that? You know, I, yeah, I mean, I had, I had a friend whose father had a booth in the jewelry exchange, has a booth in the jewelry exchange, and used to regularly tell customers, you know, like. You know, you're a very beautiful girl. You should just get your nose fixed. <laughs> you know, so that's where the nose job basically came out of. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and you know, in the, uh, in the implant episode with Terry Hatcher, um, you know, that scene where George is trying to get a death in the family fair from the airline. <laughs> the bereavement. Yeah. A bereavement fair. You know, that, that happened? That that, ha- well, that's the double dip episode. That's the double that's dip. The double right. Dip. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that happened? happened to me. I mean, I, I don't know what, why I ended up doing this, but I had bought a plane ticket, whatever, and <laughs> I went to the airline and tried to swing this bereavement fair, and they were saying to me, "Well, you'd have to, you know, give us a copy of the death certificate, and then we could refund you the money." And I'm saying, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm just lying like a crazy person, going. You want me to ask my uncle who just lost his wife of 44 years to yeah. to give me a copy of the death certificate so I can get 50% off on a flight? And she's going, well, that's the way it would have to be. And I'm steaming, <laughs> I'm, you know, and I'm steaming out of there like I'm right. But I, I love situations like that where you are clearly going against the grain of what is right in society. Oh, yeah. Clearly. But... You are wearing the facade that you would never do something like that. Yeah. And how dare you accuse me of doing this thing that I'm attempting to do yeah. where you flip it on its head <laughs> yeah. on the person who's sort of calling you out know, on being this rogue character in our society. You know, I love that. You know, it just took a long time to get it took a, lo- a while 
to get into that head of just being aware of those kind of contradictions, <laughs> sure. you know, and, and, and just to be aware of, you know, what's going on in your own head. I, I'll never forget, you know, like after the 93 94 season, that was the year of the earthquake. So um, the se- our, tra- our stage got trashed by the earthquake. So the season lasted like a month longer than it normally would. And afterwards, I was completely fried. And then somebody told me about this place, Canyon Ranch, where you could just chill, chill out. It's in Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an unbelievably hoity-toity, like $500 a day spot. And I was just like, I don't care. I'm going. You know, I walk in and, you know, like two and two huge guys are, are like carrying Courtney Love. Like as she's trying to walk and dry out. <laughs> and, uh, no way, really. Yeah. And the funny thing is, and the funny thing is, this is this is um, it's Mother's Day weekend. So the whole place, the whole place, it's basically, it's basically drying out courtly love. Eight thousand women and their daughters <laughs> taking a spa weekend, and me. That's basically the whole place. So. I'm there for like four. I get there on a Friday. I'm there for like four days. And you'll love this. On the Saturday, I'm at this spa that's costing like, you know, a fortune of money. And I spend the entire Saturday watching NBA playoff games. (laughs) (laughs) Was Courtney there watching it with you? No, I never saw her again. Hakeem Olajuwon. I I never saw her again after the first time when I, you know. Oh, man. And so then, wow. so, I mean, getting back into this whole thing about the Seinfeld head, I meet one of the daughters of the mothers and the daughters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the funny thing, this is another funny thing is, you know, like I, you know, I tried to mix in with some people after, after a while, but like, I, I, I don't know, you know, like everybody was like so health conscious and talking about eating and, you know, like, I didn't care. I, you know. <laughs> And then finally, I find a group of people who are just hanging around smoking cigarettes. So basically, I go to a health spa, watch the NBA playoffs, and start smoking. <laughs> so, um, but then I'm hanging out with this girl, and on the last day, we're kind of like standing on this little bridge over a dry waterbed, mm-hmm. and we start making out. And all, and as we're making out, I'm thinking to myself. God, it's amazing how every girl's got their own little kissing system. <laughs> you know, one lip here, one hand here, they do this yeah. here. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden I'm going, oh, my God, I'm not even in the moment now. <laughs> I'm so overcome by yeah. observing from Seinfeld that I'm not even in the moment wow. when I'm making out. And that's when I decided, you know, I got to back off on this a little bit. <laughs> wow. I that's- mean, that's how... That's how you know, because like I said, you know, I had never really written anything like this before. I did, I've been in journalism, so I was used to like looking out at people sure. and observing others. But Seinfeld made you kind of look inward to your thoughts, and I wasn't used to that, and I wasn't used to being creative. So I was kind of on this quest of you know, learning how to be, bring out creativity in myself, and it just went overboard. Peter, that's when I, I did stand-up in college. I did stand-up comedy for three years in college, and I loved it. And it's made everything that I've done in my career that much easier because nothing is more difficult, nothing is more uh, nerve-wracking 
honestly, than to going up in front of an entire crowd and having to, from scratch, maybe even sometimes after somebody's just bombed, have to get the energy and build it up and make them laugh. And I I still loved it, to the point where now when I'm doing game day morning, when I'm doing the Sunday game day morning show or any of the shows that I do, uh, I crack a joke, and if I don't hear the immediate feedback... That's not the job of the crew right. to laugh at my stuff. But <laughs> yeah. if I don't hear it, I think it's totally bombed. But I just realized I wasn't cut out for it. When I would go on the road and it would be three people in there and I'd get paid 20 bucks and a hamburger. That's one thing. But then I'd hang out with the other comics afterwards and I'd crack a joke. And some of them would look at me and say, are you going to use that? Good. They wouldn't laugh. Yeah. And they would just look at me with a straight face instead of laughing at what I'm doing. Say, are you going to use that? And I thought to myself, I can't do that. That I can't do. And if I, that's what it takes to be successful. And what you're telling me is that you have to get in a mode, a creativity mode, where you don't react, for lack of a better phrase, as a normal human being would. Right. I couldn't do I Yeah. I realized right then and there, I, I don't think I'm cut out for that. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know. It's great that you did stand up. I mean, I really. That's it's amazing. incredible. That's great. I mean, I, mean, I have I have an opening for my for the stand up act I'll never do. What is but it? That's it. What is it? Let me hear it. Oh, um, I would. I start out by uh, going. Um, well, I, I guess most of you know me as the guy who impregnated Roe from Roe v. Wade. <laughs> that's that's not, that's not a way to warm up the crowd. And um, I mean, you know, I mean, like, uh, and then I would be like, you know, I, I'd said to her, uh, I'd said to her, look, I, I know you're pregnant and um, you don't want to have the baby, but you don't have to make a federal case out of it. <laughs> and that's my and that's my act. And that's I, it, and thank that's you. Good night, folks. That's it. That's the that's the walk off. Yeah, that's your walk off. That's line. my walk off. <laughs> you don't have to. Two uh, line, two lines, two jokes, and out. Then you're in your Hall of Fame. People will be talking about it for you forever. There yeah. you go. Just, you, know, you know, you know, the only, the only way, the only way I would ever do stand up is if I could skip a few steps. I don't want to go to like these workout clubs and everything like that. I want to go right to my HBO special <laughs> in go front to, of Madison Square Garden or something like that. No, I don't even want pe- no. Okay. I, I don't even no want, people. I don't even want an audience. I want to do it. But I don't want an audience because I find people like too annoying. They laugh at the wrong moments. Okay. I mean, Larry would tell you that. Yeah, Larry. Larry. Uh, Larry started out in stand up too, right? Oh I mean, yeah, for years. For years. I mean, he would if the audience didn't laugh. Not only if they didn't laugh, if they didn't laugh at the proper moment, he would, you know, lash out at them. <laughs> didn't, you know, I, I I never really saw him. This this is all you know urban legend as far as I'm concerned, but mm-hmm. apparently it's true. You know, like. That would be pretty genius, though, to have an HBO special with nobody, with no audience. Is that, right. Has anyone yeah. ever done that? And no call po- it Nobody's Home. Peter no, Melman, Nobody's and, Home tonight, and, Saturday. And no portfolio, <laughs> you know, based on nothing. Based on no, nothing. No qualifications to have that. To stand up act about nothing in front of nobody. You know, yeah. and, and Jerry does it still every week, from what I'm told. It's unbelievable. Where he just, I mean, he goes on the road, he must make whatever, and not that he needs it, but just, and his... His craft and just wanting to stick to it is truly remarkable. I think that's in, yeah, a, I, an incredible I, part of of a of a career that that we may never see again. I don't actually. Gra- I, I I to this day to tell you the truth, I just don't even grasp what he does. I don't. I mean, I don't grasp his post Seinfeld comedy career. It, it, it's it, it's strange to me. Why? Because 
first of all, I don't think that his nine-year unbelievable experience on a show like Seinfeld, which is a dark show, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to have impacted his stand-up at all. His stand-up is almost like a new act that he could have written like right without Seinfeld ever happening. But isn't that a, a part of his brilliance, that he's created something completely new or different, or he's drawing... Isn't a comic supposed to draw off of what's going on no, in their I, life I'm just, right I, now? I, it's just... It's just I, I'm not you know, trying to judge it. I'm sure. just amazed that you know, like that experience didn't really impact his material. You know, he's still you know, observant and keenly observant. Sure. But... His act is not like really darker than it was before or, you know, it, like any of the influences that you would think Seinfeld would have mm-hmm. Im- impacted on his stand-up. None. So you would call Seinfeld a dark show. You, call, you just did. Yeah. But a dark program. It's pretty dark. I mean, you know, look, we killed a girl. Licking envelopes. Yeah. I mean... You know, we have people paralyzed. You know, I mean, the, con- the contest you know, master of your You know, all this, no all this, th- and and you know, to me, the, by the way, the contest, like my favorite moment, is mm-hmm. when the virgin leaves in a huff when she finds out about the contest, mm-hmm. and uh, Elaine had, you know, you know, it's off camera, but she had bumped into her running out. Mm-hmm. And she could, and she goes, "That girl's, cr- that girl's crazy." You know, like like we're normal. <laughs> you know, she's oh, know. the one who's crazy. Exactly. We're not doing anything. We're the group that's perfectly fine. That's the best. I mean, there's so many different nuances about it. And in two of our favorite lines as, as a group here, um, one was the episode of the marine biologist. Was that your episode? No. Are you part of that one? Uh, I mean, I was on the show. You were on the yeah. show, the marine biologist episode, where you know where where George has his soliloquy in the diner at the end. Yeah. Uh, which is genius, and then yeah. he reaches deep into the the beast of the was that a titleist? Uh, right with the titleist is is a great uh, tagline, but the number one tagline in my mind was, and you want to be my latex salesman yeah. of George as he sprawled out on the floor yeah. with his pants down, and screaming to Sablin, screaming uh, at uh, at Kramer, Sablin, Sablin in the street. Yeah, my my favorite lines are always like really low key. Not the not the not, big I mean, laugh the one, ones. The ones or? that the ones that I wrote that I you know some of the ones that I wrote that I really loved are like they go by like you barely see them. Like there's one time where Jerry and George are walking down the street and and George says, "God, look at her eyes. This is the kind of day that makes it feel like it's almost good, like it's almost good to be alive." <laughs> and Jerry goes, "Yeah, almost." You know, that's, that's what, dark that's, too. That's, yeah. what I, I, that's what I love. And you know, there's one th- and Jerry says. At one time, Jerry says, people, they're the worst. I like when... Uh, you know, I live for that. Those are the lines that I... You, know, you live for it. Jerry and George are in the diner, and George says, what kind of person do you think you are? And Jerry's like, I think I'm pretty much just like you. I'm yeah. like successful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what... Because we, as I, as I let you know, um, our producer, Chris Law, his nickname is the Latex Salesman. Right. What is the... Can you... Walk us through. Do you know what the genesis of that line was? Latex. Where did latex come from? Or I have no idea. No idea. That was Larry and Jerry, and I'm sure they just they just thought it sounded funny. You know, sometimes things just sound funny. You know, but words with a K or an X. Yeah, or a B. B. Bubble boy. Bubble He's boy. A bubble boy. Right. <laughs> bubble boy. He's a bubble boy. Right. Yeah. Or Babu Bot. 
Baba. <laughs> That's the wow. I didn't, there's yeah. There's the B stuff like that. Yeah, wow. I never put that yeah. together either. So yeah, B is so latex salesman was a Larry and Jerry creation. I, as yes. far as you could tell. Yeah, I mean, as far as I can remember. Right. As, as you re- as you said, it's a long time ago. That is right. It's up. It's, it's up. I, I'm amazed how you guys can put together what's on what well, episode. I think, Peter, oh, I'm, I'm telling you, man. We, and we are not. I've we're seen not, everyone a dozen times. It's yeah. crazy. We're not abnormal, either. By that's, the way. that's the crazy thing. There's you not mean, a in, day. The, in, in, in this regard. In this regard. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah, right. in when it comes to Seinfeld. Every yes. day there's something that happens during your day that you usually re- relate back to a Seinfeld episode. It's, I mean, and you guys are, how old are you? You guys are 30. I'm 30. You're just 30. 33. 33. Yeah. I mean, and 33 you, is a good age. That's, that's not a bad That's why I moved age. to L.A. when I was 33. Is that when you moved to L.A.? Yeah. Yeah. So I think in like, let's see, in, in like a year and a half you're going to be so loaded. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're going to be raking, swimming in it. Can't wait. Can't I got, wait. I got four years. Is what you're saying, Chris? You got a, You got. You got four years of, right. a, of abject poverty. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. The last four years have been pretty fun. I, I've been swimming in poverty. <laughs> yeah, pretty abject. The They've been pretty abject. pretty abject. But don't forget, he's a latex salesman. Yeah. He's trying to be our latex salesman. Importer exporter. And you want to be? Oh, I love that. Yeah. An importer. And exporter. What about the, hu- the human fund too? That was uh, that the was a human one. fund. Yeah, that's one that uh, people uh, helping people. Chrissy Teigen, yeah. the, uh, the the now Mrs. Mrs. John, John Legend. Legend. She was she's a huge Seinfeld fan. I mean, just nonstop. And she's twenty seven. She's twenty seven, and all she does is watch this stuff. It's great. Really, it's awesome. And be a supermodel. Mandela was late. Peter Melman's uh, book, "Odd Things and Essays from the Seinfeld Writer," again, who coined yada yada and made sponge worthy. But, but, but I only brought that in as a gift for Rich. No, I but just I want I, everybody I, to know that I'm not here plugging. You're not. No, I know you're not here plugging. But what was he late to? What, what was Mandela late to? Oh, the that the it's a book of essays uh, of you know a book of you know essays and articles that I've written and. Um, I had this piece in Esquire called Mandela Was Late. It's a story about Nelson Mandela's last meeting with his parole officer. Mm-hmm. You know, I just thought it would be really <laughs> funny that you know <laughs> that Nelson Mandela, after having been in jail for 28 years as a political prisoner, still has to see a parole officer. <laughs> and it's told from the point of view of the parole officer who, like, you know, who just says, I can't believe he's late. You know, I thought he was going to be, he was one of my better rehab jobs, <laughs> and now what? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the book comes out just as Mandela's like, you know, in the hospital forever. Bad timing for can, books. Can I ask one question? Because you're wearing a Yankee hat. No, I, I, I am not. Oh, I'm I not. thought that was a Yankee hat from that's behind. That's our says, latex salesman. It's no, a, it's a five. It, it says under. Oh, it says. It's, it's, uh, it, it is from the coolest store in the world. It's from. Um, it's from uh, undefeated on, oh, okay. on Main Street. Got it. It's I, the coolest hat. I, I'm telling you, like the, like the youngest, coolest black kids come up to me and say, say they love the hat. <laughs> so and you have street credibility based on this lid, Peter? Is that what well, you're saying? Um, I guess I do, although I hesitate to use any black expressions because I know by the time I know them, they're so out. <laughs> you're like I mean I hear like some white guy say wow bling and I went oh my god just stop <laughs> just stop trying see now this might be a 2013 Seinfeld yeah, that episode would be, that where would... George wears a hat to get street cred and everybody rolls their eyes 
Yeah, I mean, you know, or that's too broad for you. And just based on what no, you're that's telling what, me. no, that one's pretty good. Okay, that one's pretty good. I mean, occasionally you're launched into something broad. You know, I mean, you can't help it. Okay. You know, like the smelly car was kind of broad, but it was just too good. <laughs> it was just too yeah, good. Not so to, good. It happened to that happened to my friend at by the way at uh, Marix Tex-Mex um, on Entrada in Santa Monica, where the where the uh, the, the valet, valet left a, a the valet had such bad bo <laughs> he could not get the smell out of his car no matter what. Really? Did he have to sell the car though? When it all no, came he he did do a whole bunch of ionizing or something like that, and it finally became you know more or less tolerable. But, you know, the funny thing is that, you know, that's a friend that I went to college with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was always pitching Seinfeld ideas with me because he was like kind of a high end dater, you know, just like never stop. And uh, his ideas were never good. And then he's (laughs) he's telling me about this thing that happened with his car and and the smell. And never for a second did he think that was an idea. That was it. You said that's the one. Fantastic. My favorite part of that episode is that the homeless guy at the end even yeah. like didn't want the didn't yeah. want a BMW or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Peter, thanks for coming on. I oh, really this appreciate was so it. much fun. Thank you. We'd love to have you back. I'm sure we're just scratching the surface of. Yeah, of there's the Frogger hey, episode. Of there's your, so much. Well, and also your mindset on sports. We'd love to do it. Yeah, come back. Ha- we'll talk some more NFL. I have absolutely nothing to do. My, um, I could take time out from my empty schedule any, whenever <laughs> you need fantastic. me. I'm at your beck and call. Just that sport. Where I was going with the Yankees is you guys were hard, obviously Steinbrenner probably didn't take too well to being mocked, and you used Yankees marks. Like I can't imagine Jerry. I thought Jones he enjoyed today. that. You know what? He, to- he totally enjoyed it. He loved it. He loved oh, it, great. and he was supposed to be in you know in a big episode. And he was in a big episode. He flew out to be in it. And then and he did it. We shot it. And we cut him. <laughs> you cut, George? Why would you? We, there was just no time. You know, we were late. We were long on the episode. We were always long on every episode. I so. imagine. But this one was too long. Well, and that's the one. I, then let's finish up with this question. Which what idea of yours did you thought that was spot on? It just never made it with a script for whatever reason. Did, did you ever have an idea that you thought, man, this has to be used in just some way, for some reason, it just didn't fit into the season or an arc or anything well, like that? Well, it, it never happened to me. Well, yes. Um, there was one idea I had um, about the way people from Harvard managed to squeeze it in within three seconds of meeting somebody <laughs> that they went to Harvard. You know, and, yeah. uh, and you know, half the staff, like Dave Mandel and Jeff Schaefer yeah, and Alec all, Berg. Yeah, they're all Harvard guys. They're all Harvard guys, and... And, uh, you know, I loved them all, uh, you know, and I, you know, and I was perfectly happy to stick it up there. That's fine. No, that's great. But, yeah, that one never made it. Jerry just didn't get it. That was after Larry had left and Jerry just didn't see that as an idea, which he's totally wrong about. But to this day, I thought. So totally you would have created a, a character that either Elaine was dating or somebody in an office. Yeah. Somebody who just like, you know, out of nowhere, just. Apropos of nothing, so you know somehow brings up Harvard, right? And uh, you know, like, kind of like how Rich brings up that he went to Michigan that all could the time. Be a, that could be close. Yeah. That's close. Yeah, but Harvard's funnier. I mean, at least Harvard. You could Harvard. Some, at least with Harvard, you could at least somewhat understand why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't bring up Maryland unless there's like a gun to my head. <laughs> Peter Melman, thanks Thank for coming you so on. So much. I can't wait till you come back. That's Peter Melman on the Rich Eisen podcast. Fun stuff, man. How about that story about how he he knew when he had to get out of Seinfeld? <laughs> that that is that when he was he was just he couldn't even live in the moment of what we all as men on the planet. <laughs> 
good for him going to a retreat. Agree, is some of the greatest moments to have. So good. And I like the story about how uh, his friend who used to always, oh, this would be a great Seinfeld bit, blah, 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 didn't even realize that the B.O. one was, was that's the it, one. It reminds me of when Garland was in and we're here pitching curb ideas and telling him all these great curb you ideas. You don't know? He's like, no, it's it, better than Larry. In the nine seasons we did curb. Never once has anybody <laughs> right. given me a good idea for curb. It's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we, we could have talked to Peter for another, for another hour. Well, we'll have him back. I want to see that pickup game he's playing in, too. We'll have him back. And as he, I was walking him to the car moments ago um, and then coming back in here to finish this up, um, he says that there's a Seinfeld football pool. Uh, that they still – yeah, I know. That's, That's what he great. said, that they still have it, and it's called the Seinfeld football pool. That show's been off the air for we got to get Jerry on it Seriously, some point. Think of, oh no, well, for 15 years, off the air. Just, just on, on just the, the efforting, the word efforting. I'm efforting, man. <laughs> I'm efforting. we got to get you on an episode of Comedians and Cars. Yeah, because oh, I'm not a comedian, number one. And number two, you, you see the people he has on, like Letterman and Alec Baldwin yeah. and Chris Rock. <laughs> not to go on a tangent. Ricky Gervais. When he, did, when he did Howard Stern about a month ago or two months ago, he, you know, did an hour and 10 minutes and uh, he basically said or there was a dialogue of with him and stern back and forth of you don't you don't think i'm funny enough to be on the show like how because howard was like i don't and he's like i don't know if you are and you know it's funny (laughs) the one with chris rock's great too because they get pulled over by a cop it's incredible man the comedians in car with coffee is getting coffee is 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 as great a talk show as there is anywhere it's It's awesome it's so good um and and i say that as a guy who, who thinks that this this show is as good a talk show as you could see anywhere too i believe that I believe that. I'm with you. Um, before we wrap up, uh, I know you're not a Breaking Bad guy, okay? Uh, I'm and, not. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to make sorry. sure that we don't we don't spoil this. This is again. I have said this. When you take a look at the the constraints that a show on AMC has that shows on pay cable uh, does not have, this is the best television drama ever. And even if you include all of it. This is the best final season of a television show I've 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 ever seen because they it just it's incredible how they have mapped this out and how things have devolved. Can we earmuff him for a second? No, because there's other because there's a bunch removed. There's now. a bunch of but there's a bunch of people who either haven't seen it or they're in there's a lot of international one, season two, season two, three, and, and it's sign just, off. But but just again the the human condition. And the way people react in real time and what Hank said to to Walter White in this episode about being the smartest guy in the world yeah. that he's ever met and how sometimes the smartest guy in the world can't think things through and it doesn't work out. Or it sometimes does. Just, just how... The writers put these certain characters in certain situations and how they write it and then shoot it and execute it. It really is something else. And the scene of Brian Cranston on the telephone yeah. this past week. You know, he knows. Obviously. Okay, right. And, and crying while also trying to put on a facade yep. is just give him the Emmy now. Give it to him. And as Melman said earlier in the episode, I mean, it's remarkable what he has become. Become. And the comedy chops isn't just Seinfeld for him. Malcolm in the Middle, he was the dad for years and very funny. Very, very funny. And what he's doing with Walter White 
all-time stuff, I man. watched uh, Talking Bad, which is the show after. Yeah, I haven't been able to it's pull good. that one and off. It's good. Last night, Dean Norris was on it, uh, the guy who plays Hank, and they had uh, Bill Hader, who obviously is hilarious. And uh, it was just it was interesting to hear they, them say, you know, Hank's original character was this, he was basically an ex-jock, no, nothing to him, just, you know, was in the moment looking for a cheap laugh. And how that character developed from that to season to what two we, to once, what, he's like once Vince started to know me and knew kind of what I could do and we brought in Saul because he took some of the comedic relief out of it and my role became more serious I'm telling you for me Vince Gilligan is one guy that I have so many questions about the process like, sure when did you know that you were going to do this three right. seasons later and, and, but you know I mean Lost is one of my favorite TV shows yeah. right the, season one of Lost may be the best first season of a television Ever. show I've heard that I never saw the that first show. season of Lost is really mind-blowing and it's really great but after that, you, you you could see that they had no idea what they were, where they were going, or yeah. they thought maybe this is just the first season, and then if we get another season, we'll figure it out. Right. And the final season of Lost lost me. I mean, it just lost me. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. And I, I mean, I use, I was a Twin Peaks fan. I don't know if you guys saw Twin Peaks. I'm probably dating Remember myself. This is the early '90s. It's David Lynch. That the one. It went two seasons, right? Uh, I think it went three. Okay, but. It, One of the guys we play basketball with just told me he's on a Twin Peaks kick, uh, who? Phil. Oh, really? <laughs> it's funny. great, man. It's really psychedelic. It's really whacked out. It's David Lynch doing yeah. television. Yeah. yeah. And and ABC let him just go. And this first season, you know, who killed Laura Palmer was a was a major question in pop culture. Hmm. It was great. It totally devolved, and it was just like, okay, you want to have a dancing midget all of a sudden? That explains away the plot twist. Fine, you know. And I have heard that Lo- about, about Lost, Lost. Lost was that way yeah. in the final season, and I don't want to give away what they eventually decided how to f- wrap it up. Yeah. But it just it lost me. Breaking Bad, they've clearly had a plan. They mapped it out at some point. I don't know what, what their process is, and they figured out how they're going to play it out and parcel it out over the final eight episodes, and it is freaking brilliant. It is like sit there once it's over in silence for five minutes. I will say kudos to the people on Twitter. I think this is one of those shows that hasn't gotten spoiled because of well, it. Well, I'm like, trying my best. But people Wayne Corbett spoiled something. Did he? Yeah, but I mean, I'm on the what West are you Coast. Doing following putting... Wayne Corbett. Well, no, I'm just kidding. He's, he's, he's one of. The, he's one of. The, he's one of. The... <laughs> That's the question. He's, he's one. Of, he's one of Al Groh's uh, 51 flashlights. He's, good. he's a good dude. Um, That's funny, but but yeah, but it's, normally you know on Sunday nights I know to kind of stay off Twitter. Like I watch a bunch of the different shows, but you know if I'm on watching the football game, trying incredible. to look for comments, people have done a great job not spoiling it. Please start watching it if yeah. you're catching up. Go ahead and catch up. How many at your episodes are left? Two. Two. Cool and thing I, too. I, the finale. I, did you hear what they're doing? No. Um, at the Hollywood Cemetery yeah. where they play movies. Yep. They they've taken over that and Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul are going to be there. I mean they're just that's so sold, smart that's sold with out in like an hour. They're yeah. so smart doing that here certainly in Los Angeles. I know worldwide or nationwide people, you know, like okay, whatever, but it's so it's it's great. And and I'm so upset there's only two left. I'm going to cherish it. I don't know how I'm going to what I'm going to do. Because Susie doesn't watch it. She saw the first couple episodes and was so disturbed. Turned She's just like, I- I'm not interested. And and I'm like, listen, honey, I mean, how many times have we watched stuff? You know, like she was that way, Game of Thrones. She's like, ah, I'm not a Dungeons and Dragons person. I'm like, hold on a minute. That's it's, what it's, I said. It's and different. Now I'm, it's I'm like, next level. I told you. Like, where, where are you at right I, now? I just finished season two. I'm about to start season three. I'm like, hold on a minute. And now she's nuts about it. Yeah. So I'm like, trust me. I was at. I told her about Deadwood. I'm like, you got to see this. Deadwood. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm almost through season two. Oh man, it's so good. You know who's uh, coming on in January? 
uh, is Timothy Oliphant. Oh, excellent. He's already in. Nice. Because that's Justified. Justified coming is out. amazing. So he's already said, listen, uh, we'll come on later. So he's he's good at so resident. much stuff, too. He's, everything. Everything he's in. He's uh, awesome. He sure is. And he's Sheriff Bullock. And, and so Deadwood. good. And there's so many. And if you watch Justified, lots of Deadwood people show yep. up. And I'm sure that's his influence, 100%. But uh, okay, enjoy tonight's uh, enjoy tonight's game, everybody. This no is going to be a doozy. Thank you, Chris Law. Absolutely, thank you, Rich. Thank you, Chris Brockman. Thank you, my man, Rich Eisen, signing off. Hello, me Cookie Monster. Yeah, me always listen to the Rich Eisen podcast. It's me favorite podcast. Yeah, me listen on NFL.com. Oh, and it's also on iTunes. Just in case you not know that. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, dear friends.